Blog Talk Radio. Grace Network. I am Nicole, your Book of Revelation research scientist. This is the live internet broadcast of Secrets Revealed. Understand the Book of Revelation from start to finish tonight, January 11th of 2024, 1-1-1. We are talking about the reality of the Antichrist in the book of Revelation, focused on the seven plagues prophecy and those final plagues, those final plagues that set up the Antichrist for his ultimate destruction at the hands of Jesus Christ at the Battle of Armageddon. Now let's get some context. Understanding the book of Revelation from start to finish, you open the book of Revelation up, any page opens up, how do you make sense of it? How do you navigate it? It's like being dropped in a location. You need a map to understand where you are relative to where everything else is with respect to that landmass. So let's do a quick overview of how is the book of Revelation organized so that as we focus today on Revelation chapters 15 and 16, the seven plagues prophecy, we understand where we are. So let's count down from six to one. The book of Revelation, by my analysis, has six parts. It ends with a formal conclusion. It ends with a formal conclusion. We hear... The angel assigned by Jesus Christ, the angel assigned by Jesus Christ to show John the Revelator visions about the future, he has a comment about the visions he has just finished showing John the Revelator. So when we look at the final part of the book of Revelation, its conclusion, Revelation Chapter 22, verses 6 to, verses 6 to 21, that's the formal conclusion. The first thing we hear is the angel of the Lord, he's just finished showing, the John, showing John the Revelator 12 visions about future events. He has a comment. Then Jesus talks to us as Readers of the book of Revelation, so this is a very unique part. So the book of Revelation has six parts uh, by my analysis. The sixth and final part is the conclusion. So we're going to do a countdown, six, five, four, three, two, one. Then we're going to circle back and focus on uh, the reality of the Antichrist uh, 
in the seven final plagues prophecy, the seven plagues prophecy, Revelation chapters 15 and 16. But to begin with, you open up the book of Revelation, what does it mean if you're in chapter 22? If you're between verses 6 to 21, that means you're in the conclusion. Three people talk. The angel of the Lord has a comment about the 12 visions that he actually shows John the Revelator in heaven. And about those, he says, verse 6 of chapter 22, everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. So John the Revelator says, then the angel said to me, everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. The Lord God who inspires his prophets has sent his angel to tell his servants what will happen soon. Then from that point forward, we have John the Revelator. Uh, First we have Jesus talking, then John the Revelator talks, then Jesus talks, then John the Revelator talks, then Jesus talks, then John the Revelator talks. So we have two narrators talking, John and Jesus. John tells us one thing that the angel said to him, Then Jesus says something that he says over and over again. The first thing he says in verse 7 of chapter 22, look, I am coming soon. And then again when he's talking in verse 12, he begins with, look, I am coming soon. And then again when he begins to talk uh, in verse 20, he says, yes, I am coming soon. So he says some other things, uh, too, but the key thing is he says three times in one section between verses 6 and 21 of chapter 22, that's the formal conclusion, Jesus says three times the exact same thing, I am coming soon. Um, John the Revelator also talks uh, in the formal conclusion He confirms that he's the one who saw all these things. What things? The things described in the book of Revelation. Uh, He says in verse 8, I, John, am the one who heard and saw all these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. Now, we're going to end there with the conclusion. What is he talking about? What does John mean when he says, I heard and saw, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. What's them? That takes us to part five of the book of Revelation. So we're working our way backwards, part six, five, four, three, two, one. Then you'll understand the book of Revelation from start to finish. Immediately before the conclusion, we have the them that John the Revelator is talking about in verse 8 of 22. So he says, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them, what's them, all these things. All these things are 12 visions. What do we mean by visions? Moving pictures with sound. So John the Revelator is in present heaven. So just like you and me, At that time, he lived on this present earth in a mortal body, yet he was called up to heaven. Once he got up there, an angel of the Lord showed him some movies. 
Now, yesterday, yesterday, my best friend showed me a movie, The Quick and the Dead, starring Russell Crowe, Gene Hackman, Leonardo DiCaprio, and uh, Sharon Stone. He showed me that one movie. Now, John the Revelator was shown 12 movies. Now, you might say, research scientist, what do you mean he was shown 12 movies? So when I analyze chapters 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, all the way to verse 5 of chapter 22, my perception is that these things, all the things he saw, which he wrote down, he, he saw these things which were moving pictures with sound visions. So today we call moving, picture, moving pictures with sound movies, right? So just like last night, Daryl Paul showed me the quick in the dead. John the Revelator had an angel show him 12 visions. Now, using language that appears in the reports that he wrote down. So what happened? He was shown these 12 movies, moving pictures with sound. What do we mean by that? Again, these were not visions that he had at night. In other words, it was at nighttime, and he started having a supernatural experience, and he was at home. No, he was called up literally to heaven, and an angel showed him some moving pictures with sound. Now, was it a 3D movie? Was it an immersive experience? We're not told all that. But he showed them to him, these moving pictures with sound, and then John the Revelator wrote down everything that he saw and heard. So he was seeing and hearing at the same time. He didn't go to sleep and he had a dream. He... uh, He didn't have a a dream at night. He didn't have a daydream. Again, these were not visions that he caused himself to have. These were visions created by an omniscient, in other words, an all-knowing God. And then Jesus tasked one angel to show John the Revelator these visions. So part five of the book of Revelation begins with chapter five, and it goes all the way to verse five of chapter 22. It's the vast majority of the book of Revelation. So when you open up the book of Revelation, if you're in chapter six, chapter nine, chapter 15, if you're anywhere between chapter five and verse five of chapter 22, you're in a documentary. You are in a documentary about in time events now using words that appear in the prophecies themselves now you'll hear me use this language interchangeably documentary and prophecy why do i do that john was shown a documentary now why am i saying that when a movie is about Real events is the documentary. So the book of Revelation is only about real events. The angel of the Lord says to John the Revelator in the conclusion, 
everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true, the Lord God who inspires his prophets has sent his angel to tell his servants what will happen soon. So what are the documentaries he was shown? He was shown the seven trumpets documentary. So he sees it and he's watching it and he hears the sound as he's watching it and then he writes down everything he saw and heard. So in that way, we refer to it as a prophecy, okay? So he didn't have the benefit of the technology we have today. You were called up to heaven, and an angel of the Lord was showing you a documentary. Perhaps you could use your cell phone to film, to videotape, to record what you're seeing. He didn't have that, so he used the technology that existed at that time. The advanced technology at that time was a writing utensil and some parchment. So he wrote down everything he saw and heard. So because he's written it down and we're reading what he wrote, we often refer to these as prophecies when, in fact, they're reports of documentaries. Now, what are they? The Seven Seals documentary. That's followed by the Seven Trumpets documentary, followed by the 1,260 Days documentary, followed by the 666 Antichrist documentary, followed by the 144,000 First Fruits documentary. Then we have the Earth Reaped documentary, all about the first resurrection. Then we have the Seven Plagues documentary. That's going to be our focus for our time today. Then we have the Purple and Scarlet documentary. Then the Marriage Supper documentary. And then the last three are all about what happens after Jesus Christ fights and wins the Battle of Armageddon. We have the Millennial Reign documentary, the Dead Judge documentary, and the New Earth documentary. Okay, so that's part five of the book of Revelation. What if you open the book of Revelation and you're in chapter 4, or somebody's reading from the book of Revelation and it's chapter 4. Chapter 4 is part 4 of the book of Revelation. It is John's report on heaven. It's not a documentary at all. John tells us what he saw when he arrived in heaven. So, he was called up to heaven for the purpose of the angel of the Lord showing him these visions, these documentaries, which we now refer to as prophecies. That was the purpose of his heavenly trip, if you will, or his heavenly visit. But before he gets to that, he tells us what he actually sees when he arrives in heaven. That's pretty interesting. Now today, uh, I love to listen to YouTube. I'm on it, I think, every day. Rarely does a day go by when I'm not watching something on YouTube. And on YouTube, there are lots of videos about individuals who report that they have had experiences in heaven. Uh, Maybe some of them have. Maybe some of them haven't. I can't say. I can't say. However, I can say, and we can say for sure, that John the Revelator actually went to heaven. And we know that for a fact because it's in the Bible. And all scripture is inspired by God. Revelation chapter 4 
is part four of the book of Revelation. And John tells us exactly what he sees when he's called up to heaven. There are no metaphors. So it's like this. A cop is called and he shows up to where uh, the issue is happening. And then after he, he writes down, he writes his report. Or a journalist goes on a, an exotic trip. Let's say the journalist goes to Antarctica and is is writing a piece about his experience or her experience in Antarctica, and we're going to get those details. It's It's that same thing here. John is giving us the details of what he sees. Let me give you a few examples. So Revelation chapter 4 has 11 verses, and he tells us, it starts off with, Then as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, Come up here, and I will show you what must happen after this. And instantly I was in the Spirit, and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. So he was transported supernaturally to heaven, and the first thing he sees is a throne. And not a throne in the United Kingdom, or a throne in Japan, uh, he saw a throne in heaven. And he says, and someone sitting on it. Then he says, the one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones. Then he goes on to describe who else he sees. He sees 24 elders, and he tells us about their outfits and what they're doing. And he sees these other four living beings, and he describes those four living beings and their activities. So, very interesting. Now, part three, we're going a quick overview of the book of Revelation, understanding it from start to finish. If you're anywhere in chapter four, you know you're in part four, John's report on heaven. Again, there are no metaphors in there. There are no prophecies. It's simply his report of how he arrived in heaven and exactly what he saw when he got there. Remember, we get to the visions that the angel shows him, the actual documentaries about soon-coming events, those start in Chapter 5. In Chapter 4, it's his report. So first things first, when he arrives in heaven, what does he see? All right. Now, Part 3 of the book of Revelation, Chapters 2 and 3. Jesus tells John the Revelator at the beginning of his experience with the book of Revelation, write down all the things that are happening and the things to come. So the first thing John the Revelator does is he he writes down the things that are happening. What does that mean? The things that were happening at that time on this present earth. So at that time, there were seven churches. And in part three of the book of Revelation, we have seven letters to, you guessed it, seven letters to those seven churches. And so if you use a red-letter Bible, you'll see that 100% of chapters two and three are in red font, in red letters, because it's verbatim the words of Jesus Christ 
Jesus Christ has prophetic words for each of the seven churches, Philadelphia, Laodicea, Ephesus, Sardis. Um, I'm saying these from memory. Let, let me mention the other three. So in Revelation chapter 2, we have letters to for the churches, first Ephesus, then Smyrna, then Pergamum, and then Thyatira. Then in Revelation chapter 3, we have a letter for Sardis, for Philadelphia, and for finally Laodicea. So in these letters, Jesus, these the letter is writing down the prophetic words that Jesus has for them. So he has words of praise, words of criticism, and he has promises, promises for those who are victorious. So he has some specific things to say, almost as if you wanted to write a letter to each of your children, letting them know, hey, this is what you're doing well, this is what you need to correct, and this is what you're going to inherit. Okay, so words of praise, words of criticism, and promises for those who are victorious. In other words, those who run the good race who die in Christ. Okay. That's part three of the book of Revelation, chapters two and three, seven letters to seven churches. So that was a part of John's assignment to write down the things that are happening now. He did that with chapters two and three. Chapter one, the first half is part one, but we're counting down six, five, four, three, two, one. Part two Part two of the book of Revelation is the formal introduction. Now let's go to that for a second. And again, our focus tonight is the seven plagues prophecy, but to make sure we understand the book of Revelation from start to finish, you're in chapter one, and let's say you're anywhere between verses nine and 19, you're in the formal introduction in chapter one. So what is this? This is where John the Revelator tells us about the beginning of his experience with the book of Revelation. So he is the person who wrote down God wanted to be recorded in the book of Revelation, but his experience, his personal experience with it, begins with the introduction, that's verse 9. That's very interesting, right? So what's in verses 1 to 8? We're going to get to that in a second. But verses 9 to 19, the formal introduction begins like this. I, John, am your brother and your partner in suffering and in God's kingdom and in the patient endurance to which Jesus calls us. I was exiled to the island of Patmos, for preaching the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus. It was the Lord's day, and I was worshiping in the spirit. Suddenly, I heard behind me a loud voice, like a trumpet blast. It said, write in a book 
Then he goes on from there. So this is the beginning. John describes his experience where Jesus Christ visits him on this present earth. So it's very interesting. The beginning of his experience uh, with the book of Revelation is Jesus visits him on this present earth, and then the second part of his experience is he is called up by Jesus to visit heaven. (laughs) So first Jesus is talking to him, and Jesus is here on present earth. Then John, uh, so Jesus visits him supernaturally here on present earth, and then John visits heaven supernaturally in uh, for the second part of his experience. So right now we're in part two of the book of Revelation. Jesus tells us about how he was on the island of Patmos. Jesus, he hears his voice, then he sees him. He describes what Jesus looks like, uh, and ultimately Jesus gives him this instruction. In verse 19 of chapter 1, write down what you have seen, both the things that are now happening and the things that will happen. So at that point, John hasn't seen the things yet, but he will see them, and this will all make sense to him in just a short while. Now, part 1, the preface for the book of Revelation The preface for the book of Revelation is narrated by an omniscient God. Uh, In professional writing, they talk about this thing called omniscient narration. Uh, I think the key thing for us to notice is that John the Revelator hasn't written the preface. So verses 1 to 8 of the book of Revelation, John the Revelator is not talking there. Now, you might say, how is he not talking? He's the person who wrote the book of Revelation. John the Revelator is not talking here. We find out how the book of Revelation, book of Revelation, how it came to pass. So there are four steps. God the Father gives quote, unquote, a revelation to Jesus Christ. And he gives it to Jesus Christ to show his servants the events that must soon take place. Jesus sends an angel to present the revelation to John. John watches the revelation in heaven, and then he writes it down so that you and I, as truth seekers, can read it and know it today. So the revelation, in other words, the secret about his second coming, about the unveiling of Jesus Christ to the entire world, it starts with God the Father, God the Father, the revelation. Then it goes to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ assigns an angel to show the revelation, these visions, to John the Revelator. John the Revelator watches these documentaries in 
a location in present heaven. Then he writes down everything he's seen and heard, and now we have the documentaries, which are in part five of the book of Revelation. We call them prophecies because they're written down. So that's part one of the book of Revelation, the preface that describes what it is, uh, how it has come to pass, and then how does it, what does it say that the revelation actually is? What is the revelation? What is it actually? Here it is, verse 7 of chapter 1. Look, he comes with the clouds of heaven, and everyone will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes, amen. That's the revelation. Look, he comes with the clouds of heaven, and everyone will see him. When Jesus came the first time, he came as, the Lamb, the Lamb of God, and everyone didn't see him. Then he failed to perceive who he really was. But the second time that he comes, everyone will see him. And all the nations of the world will know that Jesus Christ is King of all kings and Lord of all lords. So that's an overview of the book of Revelation. It has six parts, a preface, a formal introduction, seven letters to seven churches, John's report on heaven, 12 documentaries about end-time events, and a formal conclusion. Okay. Our focus today, part five of the book of Revelation has 12 documentaries. We're going to talk about the reality of the Antichrist in the seven plagues prophecy. Now, if you want to look at the one-page basic study notes, they are available at no charge to PGN friends and family, to everyone, in fact, at blogtalkradio.com forward slash live prophetic chapters 15 and 16. The Seven Plagues Prophecy. The seven plagues are the wrath of God. The wrath of God is not the same thing as the wrath of Satan. The wrath of God is targeted towards those who are Team Satan and leadership on Team Satan. The Great Tribulation is the wrath of Satan, and it's targeted towards those who are Team Jesus and leadership on Team Jesus. The prophets. Our focus today is the seven final plagues prophecy. Let's go to it. Revelation chapters 15 and and 16, the seven final plagues, John the Revelator saw a documentary about the wrath of God. Now, when we talk about the wrath of God, we aren't talking about, in this instance, the great white throne judgment. That's when the dead are judged 
after another resurrection. In other words, a resurrection after the first resurrection. And that's when death and the grave are destroyed. We're not talking about that. We're talking about what's referred to as the seven last plagues. Let's hear what John wrote down. So he wrote down everything he heard and saw in this documentary, the seven plagues documentary. Here it is. John the Revelator speaking to you and me, truth seekers. This is what he said. Then I saw in heaven another marvelous event of great significance. Seven angels were holding the seven last plagues, which would bring God's wrath to completion. I saw before me what seemed to be a glass sea mixed with fire, and on it stood all the people who had been victorious over the beast and his statue, and the number representing his name. They were all holding harps that God had given them, and they were singing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Great and marvelous are your works, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations, who will not fear you, Lord, and glorify your name, for you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous deeds have been revealed. Now let's pause there for a second. So that's Revelation 15, verses 1 to 4. What have we heard? He begins with saying, Then I saw in heaven another marvelous event. So he just finished watching the Earth Reaped documentary. Now they, the angel has showed him another one, back to back to back to back. He's watching these documentaries. So he says, then I saw in heaven another marvelous event. And at the beginning, he sees seven angels, and each angel is holding one of the last plagues. So there's seven of them, one plus one plus one plus one, on like that. So we have a total of seven. And here's something very interesting. He sees a glass sea mixed with fire. We also see a description very similar uh, in the seven seals prophecy. But let's say here, and it says, and on it stood all the people who had been victorious over the beast and his statue and the number representing his name. So where are they? They're no longer on the earth. You might say, wait a minute, research scientists, what are you talking about? We talked about on Sunday the reality of the timeline. The first resurrection is described in Revelation chapter 14. The great tribulation is described in Revelation chapters 12 and 13. So after the wrath of Satan comes to an end, we have the first resurrection. The first resurrection, in other words, the marriage of the Lamb, after 
those of us who are here on the earth at the time of the second coming, after we rise up to meet Jesus Christ in the air because we have transitioned from mortality to immortality, then in Revelation 15, what's the first thing that's described here? I saw before me what seemed to be a glass sea mixed with fire, and on it stood all the people who had been victorious over the beast and his statue and the number representing his name. Now, they're standing. They're standing. So they've been victorious over the beast and his statue. Now, we already know that what does it mean to be victorious? It doesn't mean that these individuals took down the beast, and the statue of the beast is the Antichrist here. It doesn't mean that these people took down the Antichrist because we know that only Jesus is going to take down the Antichrist. So how can they be victorious over the beast and his statue? This means that these are individuals who refuse to take the mark of the beast and refuse to worship the beast. This is referred to in Revelation chapter 20. So many people who refuse to take the mark of the beast will lose their lives. In other words, they will experience the first death due to beheading. Some will not. We already know that because some, uh, we know from First Thessalonians chapter 4, many of us are going to uh, survive the Great Tribulation and we're going to transition in the blink of an eye from mortality to immortality. However, right here, what are we talking about? Every person who lives any length of time during the Great Tribulation, those who lose their lives during the Great Tribulation uh, due to giving testimony for Jesus Christ, refusing to take the mark of the beast, refusing to worship the statue of the Antichrist, and those who never take the mark of the beast and continue to live will also be victorious over the beast and his statue. Now, again, how can someone be victorious over the beast when the Antichrist is going to continue to live until Jesus takes him out. If you don't yield to the Antichrist, if you refuse to take the mark of the beast because you are in Jesus Christ, because you are saved, because you're trusting in, relying on Jesus Christ and the work of the cross, and you refuse to take the mark of the beast on your forehead or on your right hand, you refuse to bow down to worship, or to do whatever uh, is required to indicate worship of the statue of the Antichrist, then you will be victorious. So here in Revelation 15, the tribulation, the great tribulation, the wrath of Satan has ended. The first resurrection has happened. And here, all of those who lived for any length of time and who were in Christ 
until either the time of the second coming or until they lost their lives, they are there where? It says, they were all holding harps that God had given them. Now, where are they? John the Revelator says, I saw before me what seemed to be a glass sea mixed with fire, and on it stood all the people who had been victorious over the beast and his statue and the number representing his name. They were all holding harps that God had given them. It doesn't say they were holding harps that Jesus had given them. It says they were all holding harps that God had given them. Now, where is God the Father? He's not here on the present earth. And he's not going to be here at the time of the second coming, and he's not coming to this present earth until after, after we have transitioned to a new earth. So if they're holding harps that God gave them, that means they have to be in heaven because that's where God is. Now let's continue. Revelation 15 Verse 5, then I looked and saw that the temple in heaven, God's tabernacle, was thrown wide open. The seven angels who were holding the seven plagues came out of the temple. They were clothed in spotless white linen with gold sashes across their chests. Then one of the four living beings handed each of the seven angels a gold bowl filled with the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. The temple was filled with smoke from God's glory and power. No one could enter the temple until the seven angels had completed pouring out the seven plagues. Revelation 16, verse 1. Then I heard a mighty voice from the temple say to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out on the earth the seven bowls containing God's wrath. So the first angel left the temple and poured out his bowl on the earth. And horrible, malignant sores broke out on everyone who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. The second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became like the blood of a corpse, and everything in the sea died. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs, and they became blood. And I heard the angel who had authority over all waters saying, You are just, O Holy One, who is and who always was, because you have sent these judgments since they shed the blood of your holy people and your prophets. You have given them blood to drink. It is their just reward. And I heard a voice from the altar saying, Yes, O Lord God, the Almighty, your judgments are true and just. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, causing it to scorch everyone with its fire. Everyone was burned by this blast of heat, and they cursed the name of God, who had control over all these plagues. They did not repent of their sins and turn to God and give him glory. Let's pause there for a second. For years, I saw to determine the timing of the seven plagues. Because it's clear from the book of Revelation, Revelation 20, verses 4 and 5, it's clear that we will be here during the Great Tribulation. But what was unclear to me for a very long time was, what is the timing of 
the seven last plagues. And one day, this stood out to me. Verse 9. Let's start with verse 8 and then hear verse 9. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, causing it to scorch everyone with its fire. Now notice there it says everyone. In the book of Revelation, sometimes it says everyone except those whose name is written in, in the Lamb's book of life. Except everyone whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life. But here it doesn't say except. And everyone means every one. And then to double down on it in verse 9 it says everyone again was burned by this blast of heat and then talking about everyone a hundred percent of the people on the earth who have been scorched by the fire of the sun what do these individuals do it says they did not repent of their sins and turn to God and give him glory. Clearly, none of these individuals is a believer. None of these individuals is among the sheep. None of these individuals is one of the good fish who will be kept. None of these individuals has his or her name written in the Lamb's Book of Life because it says they did not repent. Step one of every believer is repentance. But it says, They did not repent of their sins and turn to God and give him glory. So we have three sentences that make it clear that 100% of the individuals who experienced the fourth and final plague that it's that that a hundred per that they that it includes this is how I mean to say it it includes a hundred percent of the people on the earth everyone and a hundred percent of the people refuse to repent of their sins it can't include Christians because part of our walk with the Lord includes repentance let's keep going. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. His subjects ground their teeth in anguish, and they cursed the God of heaven for their pains and sores. But they did not repent of their evil deeds and turn to God. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great Euphrates River, and it dried up so that the kings from the east could march their armies toward the west without hindrance. And I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs leap from the mouths of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. They are demonic spirits who work miracles and go out to all the rulers of the world to gather them for battle against the Lord on that great judgment day of God the Almighty. Look, I will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Blessed are all who are watching for me who keep their clothing ready so they will not have to walk around naked and ashamed. And the demonic spirits gathered all the rulers and their armies to a place with the Hebrew name Armageddon. Then the seventh angel poured out his bow into the air, 
And a mighty shout came from the throne in the temple, saying, It is finished! Then the thunder crashed and rolled, and lightning flashed, and a great earthquake struck, the worst since people were placed on the earth. The great city of Babylon split into three sections, and the cities of many nations fell into heaps of rubble. So God remembered all of Babylon's sins, and he made her drink the cup that was filled with the wine of his fierce wrath. And every island disappeared, and all the mountains were leveled. There was a terrible hailstorm, and hailstones weighing as much as 75 pounds fell from the sky onto the people below. They cursed God because of the terrible plague of the hailstorm. That is the seven plagues prophecy in its entirety. Let us talk about the reality of the Antichrist. And I see a hand raised. I'm going to come to you next, 404-502. Let me make this key point. Uh, Then I want to go to callers. Uh, The reality of the Antichrist and the seven plagues prophecy. The The first four of the final plagues, are about what happens to all who are team Satan when the wrath of God begins. So 100% of the people get a malignant sore. That's the first plague, a cancerous sore. So, you know, there are all kinds of reasons why you don't want to take the mark of the beast. You don't want your DNA to become beast DNA. You want to be a human. Only human beings are eligible for salvation. Those who are not human beings, who have the beast DNA, are not eligible for salvation. Nonetheless, let's say that that was not compelling for whatever reasons. Here's a reason not to take the mark of the beast. The first of the seven last plagues is a cancerous sore. So, We heard in Revelation 16, verse 2, horrible malignant sores broke out on everyone who had the mark of the beast. Malignant means cancerous. The second plague, the water in the sea becomes like blood. That's the salt water. Then the third plague, the fresh water, the water in the rivers and springs becomes like blood. And then the fourth plague, The sun gets so hot that it scorches 100% of the people who uh, failed to make the first resurrection. Now, those are the first of the seven final plagues. The last three set up, set up leadership in Team Satan for the Battle of Armageddon. So we're talking about the reality of the Antichrist. The Antichrist along with the false prophet, are the two key players carry out Satan's agenda. During the Great Tribulation and after the Great Tribulation. But their time is very short. Their time is very short. Now, plague number five is a blackout. The headquarters of the Antichrist, where the throne is, the kingdom is plunged into darkness. What does that mean? No power. 
No illumination. It's almost like Jesus is saying, hey, I'm about to destroy you. Here's a little taste of about of uh, what's about to happen. Plague number six is the supernatural drying up of the Euphrates River so that the kings of the east uh, can march towards the west without hindrance, march where, it says, so they can come straight to the location. They're going to come straight across the Euphrates River to the location where Jesus wants, where Jesus uh, wants to and will, in fact, fight and win the Battle of Armageddon. You know, when Jake Paul is going to have a fight, or let's talk about the Super Bowl. Uh, the Super Bowl is going to be uh, played in a specific location in Dallas, Texas. The opposing team has to come to Texas. They're coming where? Straight to Texas. So the Battle of Armageddon is the war to end all wars. It's going to be fought in a specific location. And the Euphrates River will be dried up supernaturally when the sixth and final plague is poured out so that the armies led by the Antichrist can come to precisely the location where Jesus has already planned to face his opponent. So the reality of the Antichrist is here with plague number five and six. God is preparing the Antichrist for the war to end all wars, the battle of Armageddon. Plague number seven. Many things are described when the seventh angel pours out uh, his plague, but let me say something that I noticed recently. When you go to a concert, and many concerts today are inspired by Satan, at these concerts, they have a counterfeit worship. Uh, In other words, they're worshiping to demonic music, demonic thoughts, demonic spirits, a demonic agenda. Now, let's talk about God's agenda. Leading up to the Battle of Armageddon, we have music. We have the sounding of the seventh trumpet. We have uh, sound effects. What do I mean by that? Thunder's going to crash and roll. We have a a lighting show. Lightning's going to flash. It's going to be very dramatic. Very dramatic. So when the seventh angel pours out the seventh and final plague, it says thunder crashes and rolls, lightning flashes, and earthquake strikes. One of the things that happens before the Battle of Armageddon is fought and won is that the headquarters of the harlot church is destroyed. What's that? Babylon, that great city. It says in verse 19 here, the great city of Babylon split into three sections, and the cities of many nations fell into heaps of rubble. 
This prophecy ends with a sneak peek of the next documentary, The Purple and Scarlet Prophecy. So The Purple and Scarlet Prophecy, Revelation chapters 17 and 18, verses 1 to 5 of 19 are about that. Okay. I'm going to pause there. The reality of the Antichrist after... The headquarters of the Harlot Church is destroyed. The Antichrist is taken out at the Battle of Armageddon. Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 to 21. 6 to 21. So we see with uh, plagues number 5 and 6, preparation for Jesus Christ uh, taking out the Antichrist, the getting the opponent, letting him know, it's about that time, and getting his people the path that they need to come exactly where he wants them to come, unbeknownst to them. Okay, we're going to pause there. 404-502, would love to hear from you. Going to unmute you now. Who am I talking to and where are you calling from, 404-502? Uh, this is William, and I'm calling from uh, Stone Mountain, Georgia. William, I'm so happy that you're here uh, with us on PGN. Uh, do you have a comment or question about the Book of Revelation? Oh no, I, I like I said, I hadn't called in 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 years. I, I thought that, that uh, you guys were, uh, you know, would be able to. Uh, Speak a word or what have you concerning uh, 2024 for me. Amen. I'd be pleased to pray with you and for you. Let me put you on mute, and then I'll come back after I pray uh, for you. Is that all right? Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this precious son. Thank you, Lord, that William is submit it to you. Thank you, Lord, that he has a heart for truth. Thank you, Lord, that he's operating in faith. William, I just see you looking around. I see you looking around, like looking, 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 looking for lots of, uh, like you're, you're like, Lord, is that you? Lord, is that you? Lord, is that you? And as I see you doing that, it looks very light to me, like this is pleasing God to see you spending your time over and over again, day in and day out. you just looking left and right, looking left and right as you are going about your day, like, okay, Lord, where are you? What do you want me to do? Um, And I can see that God is... Um, happy with you doing that it's like you're like lord uh what do you have for me what do you want me to do and i see on the lord's side that this you being with him and giving uh looking for his agenda for your life that that is his agenda that that's pleasing to him that you are spending your time on looking for him, thinking about him. And I see you doing it in 
everything. Uh, I see you spending pretty much, it's like your your day is that. I just see you walking along, looking left, looking right, looking here and there, like uh, underneath things, over things, and that you're looking for his agenda, and his agenda is for you to spend time with him and to search for him. And so, William, I know you said that uh, you were wanted a word about 2024, but I have to tell you what the Lord is uh, showing me. And, Lord, uh, William asked specifically for a word for 2024. Lord, so I just ask you right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, uh, what do you have to say about 2024? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. What do you have to say about 2024? William, I see the numbers 4, 5, and 6 in April. I believe that's going to be an important month for you, the month of April. Um, changes, changes between April, May, and June for you. And I hear something about um, military, military, military moves. I, I don't, I don't understand what that means. Military moves. <laughs> military moves. Hallelujah. So, Lord, I want to thank you uh, for your precious son. Thank you that uh, he's operating in faith. Lord, thank you that you are pleased with him. And uh, I, William, I hear the Lord saying, "Sunny days are ahead. Sunny days are ahead." <laughs> oh, thank you. It's my pleasure to pray with you and for you. Uh, what does any of that mean anything to you? Yeah, I mean it's. You know, it's 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 right on point, um, it, and it is a lot of seeking and searching, trying to understand um, what direction uh, that God would have me to go in, and um, so I am constantly looking, constantly studying and trying to, uh, because I have a you know, a heart for his, his people in the church, and it's it's difficult because uh, it's hard. First of all, there's just a lot of uh, people, a lot of confused and deceived uh, in this time, and they need the the church needs the true word of God. And my heart go out for those who are really trying to seek after God, but they don't have a place to go and get it. Um, it's sad to say, and um, so that's one of you know one of my tasks is, even though like I said I don't you know I don't have a church or a minister per se, is to just to reveal the true God 
to people and to wake them up from the deception and the religious spirit that is out there that's grasping the church. So, yeah. You know, so that's the big, you know, and I'm, you know, I understand what's, you know, what's going on and, um, God started me really on this journey back, you know, about three years ago when everything kind of really went in time. <laughs> in fact, <laughs> okay. What then, happened three years ago? Oh, well, he he just um, showed me about the whole, um, um, you know, COVID, the vaccine thing when it first started out and uh, just trying to uh, – you know, help uh, as many people as I can could, and to wake up as many of them as I could. So I uh, ran into a lot of resistance, primarily from almost everybody in my uh, space. Cause, but I knew what God had showed me, so I've been literally swimming upstream, just trying to and uh, help them understand what you know what God is doing and wants to do. And to protect them. Amen. Can you tell us about that? Uh, what did he show you about uh, the vaccine or uh, how well, to protect his people? Well, first, well, first, first of all, when when it when it first uh, came out uh, back in, you know, I could say three years ago, and uh, roughly it was in November or December, and all of this was going on, and uh, he he sent me I I'm near near Atlanta, so he sent me to three of the major hospitals here because they were doing the whole Broadway show up in New York and and uh, and in China, Wuhan. You know, people mm-hmm. falling out and they it was like a big Broadway show to get attention of the people so they could see that and to send out that spirit of fear. Right. Because if you because if you notice out of all the other states nobody actually had that degree of Broadway throwing bodies into the old uh, refrigerated trucks and it was just two show places Wuhan and New York. Now that's very interesting. So, I had not seen it that way, but I I see what yeah. you mean. And so and so then that was to get people. And like I said, they did some extra things. You know, of course they sprayed some things or what have you, and then they turned it on five G and all of that. Particularly five G over nobody. Everybody kind of missed how they really accelerated five G uh, around this time too, which caused all kinds of uh, symptoms and things. To people, but so anyway, he had me to go to three of the major hospitals here in in Atlanta, and I went there. I mean, people didn't even really know what was going on. It was like it was just business as usual. I went and I had talked to a few people. So at that point in time, he was showing me that it was just a deception that was going on, and then. Uh, through alternate media sources, and God just kind of leads me to things at the right time or what have you, I found out just how, you know, how dangerous this thing was. And I started 
trying to explain and help as many people as I could. But even my own family members even went ahead and took in spite of what I said, in spite of what, uh, because it was such a spirit of fear. And so, yeah, and so, like I say, I didn't take it, but almost everybody in and then I just tried to warn people as I went along that those who would listen and tried to, but it was such a big, like I said, big deception. And the main news and also the hospitals and all driven by the pharmaceutical uh, companies. And I found out more and more that uh, people were dying in the hospital. It wasn't that. A lot of more people were dying from ventilators, and also uh, they were giving people a drug called rebevir, and uh, I'm thinking I pronounced that right. And what that would do is that would shut down uh, uh, people's kidney, and so they were killing, you know. Unfortunately, I don't know if you want me to say that, but they were really killing people even in the hospitals. And doctors were given either incentives as well as they uh, would lose license. Uh, a lot of hospitals could make at least $100,000 a patient if they uh, did COVID and took them through the whole uh, death process. I hope this is not too graphic for you and your audience, but it's the truth. And I've followed this thing along for three years. And they're estimating that probably maybe 20, 17 to 20 million people have been uh, killed by it. And the disability has gone up so far is from young working class people because it was mandated by work, jobs. The disability is off the record. That's how come all the insurance premiums and everything else are skyrocket. That's why they they couldn't hide that. And let me say so, this. like I said, me and, me and God have been walking this this thing, like I said, for three years, and I've been, you know, trying to communicate what he's trying to do. And, and the other thing is for the church to be the real church. And, uh, you know, for example, walking in the gifts that uh, yeah. that he's given the church that they really need now. That it's, it's going to be a matter of, of survival and knowing God and the Holy Spirit. But um, a lot of churches, uh, he can't get in. There's no place for him, even though he says he's given us gifts and he wants tongues and prophecies. Uh, I mean, yeah, and prophecy in the in the church. There's no place in the service for him. So he's they write about that. Piece of paper. They they have a program they've written down. 20 minutes for this, 15 for that, 6 minutes for that. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And they're running. And I, and, right, exactly. And, I, uh, but I, and I'm saying it's almost like in Acts when uh, they were asking, you know, well, who, you know, how, how did you, you know, did you receive the, the Holy Spirit? It's almost like in the church you go in and say, have you heard, you hadn't heard about the, the gifts you you hadn't heard about the ones taught you how to use them or to the importance of them in your life, and even from the standpoint of whenever we talk about 
our weapons are not carnal, we always go to the armor. Mm-hmm. But how can you cast out a spirit if you don't have the discerning spirits to understand who it is or what you're, you're dealing with? That's right. Now, let me ask you a question. How how okay. far, in your opinion, how far away are we from uh, the rebuilding of the temple? Do you have any thoughts about the red heifer or uh, the rebuilding of the third temple? Do you ever see anything on that or uh, think on that? Well, the <laughs> this is... I'll, I'll I'll just I'll just I'll just say this uh, a couple of things. Um, a lot of people's eschatology is is messed up, primarily because it revolves around the people of God. So. If you don't have a true perspective and have identified the people of God, Israel, then your eschatology is wrong. That's right. Even You're with, talking about you know, and so right? yeah, and so 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 that's that's the issue. And uh, so. <clears throat> Couple quick things as far as how how can you identify the people of job uh, of God? One of the things is obviously they didn't do what God told them to do, so they received the curses. Deuteronomy twenty eight curses. Uh, another thing, when you think about it, when you go into the New Testament, you know that they're going to be blind. And then you know they're not going to, but God is going to wake them up eventually. And that's going to be after the time of the Gentiles. That's right. So when, so when you look at all of your eschatology, if you don't have the right people, uh, then your eschatology is wrong. That's a so 100% that's, that's, right. I'm glad you said it. You know, they say in Romans, uh, after the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, all Israel shall be saved. Right. And, and yeah, you know, and, and, that's, and see, that's the thing is, is that if you don't have a people who are under curses and are trodden down by the Gentiles and blind to who they are, then those are three key things that you can use to identify the true people of God. And so I'm saying then if uh, you identify those people of God, then you know your timetable is right, and you can start talking about things like... um, when things happen. Now, but there's a big... Now, so I'm, what you just said caused me to think about how all of a sudden in the United States of America, 
we have this huge wave of anti-Semitism, even on college campuses today, I heard of a lawsuit on one campus where the Jewish students are suing. They are suing uh, the administrators at Harvard University because they have refused to take action to protect them from anti-Semitic acts in the classroom and on campus. So what you just said, it's it's not only coming to pass in other places of the world. So when people say, oh, in Saudi Arabia this is happening, or uh, in Iran this is happening, or in Qatar this is happening, you know, to the Jewish people, but when in America, in the United States of America, a Judeo-Christian nation, we have anti-Semitism like I've never seen in my lifetime that time that you were talking about the people being trodden down in our own nation i i can just i just i'm just shocked that it that it's uh it it hasn't happened so fast but to see the level of hate against jewish people in america yeah you know what one one of the things also that you you have to really separate, even when you start talking about uh, Jewish people, you have to sh- separate Zionism from Judaism. Those are two different things. Can you tell us about that? Well, for for example, um, <clears throat> the true... Israelites, of course, they would go by the law, Moses, the Torah, or what have you. The Zionists, who are a lot of leaders, and talk, they get into things like the Talmud and other things. They even put the Talmud above the Bible. And, um, and a lot of people don't understand what is really in the Talmud and and what their beliefs are. I don't know so much the, about it. One person said they had 600 things in there they were supposed to follow, 600 regulations. Is, have you heard of no, anything like no, that? No, it, 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 it's, these, these are things that uh, are direct uh, blasphemy against the word of God that's in there. Wow. So that's what I'm saying. Is it? It. it, it one. Of, one of the things that I I did in, in this journey, I told God I wanted to know truth, not my truth, but truth, His truth. Amen. And the only the only the only thing is, you've got to be prepared. As he open up your eyes to accept whatever he shows you, as opposed to even things you have been taught and what you have thought. Because William, that's it, so. It, you say it one more time. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> you know, I was just saying though, you have to be open to say it, to whatever God shows you 
to say, God, I want your truth, even though it doesn't line up with what you've been taught for years and your understanding. Amen. You know, this program is for truth seekers. So when I open up the Bible, I'm looking for exactly what you talked about, God's truth. And if it says something, as you just said, in opposition to what I've been taught or what I think or anything else, I throw out my wrong thinking and I adopt the right thinking that's in the Word of God that the Lord is showing me. Because the Bible is the infallible Word of God. Yeah, I, yeah, I had to, like I say, I had to throw away and change a lot of perspectives the way I thought the world was. For example, I, I give you two. In, in Revelation, God referenced those who are Jews but are not. He referenced that twice. I don't remember the exact scriptures in Revelation. Those who claim to be Jews but are not. And that's, though, though, since he mentioned it twice, you need to, that's, that's getting back to the true people of God, who, who are the true Israelites. So that's <laughs> something that you can, like I say, something that, you know, you can take God, take to God or what have you, and he, he will reveal these things. But like I say, <laughs> if you don't have your eschatology lined up with the true people of God. For example, one of the things that uh, they're trying to do over right now, too, is deceive um, a lot of people as far as biblical events. That's That's what happened in Karen, and what that will create, two things. First of all, that would discourage and have a lot of people fall away because if something doesn't happen the way they think it was interpreted in the, the Bible, the way they right. were taught, they're going to be discouraged. What, what you know? What happened, God? You you're not true. So it, it, it's a lot. That's what I'm saying. It's a lot of deception there. But God will, if if you sincerely seek God for truth, move all you know in any bias or what have you, and just say, God, I want the truth. You go through an issue where, first of all, your your pride comes and kick in, where you say, I didn't think I was so, how could William, I miss so have much? To could... sit there. I'm so sorry. We have only 90 seconds left, but uh, okay. I, okay, then. I hope that, uh, I talking with you, and thank you so much for that word. You're on point. Amen. And listen, PGN continues uh, at 9 p.m., Central on our one three one nine five two seven six seven the six seven three seven number. So in just half an hour, we're going to have more um, teaching and then also prophetic words for folks. Prophet Randy Chandler is going to be praying, so I invite you and everyone to uh, join one three one nine five two seven six seven three seven. That'll be at 9 p.m. Central uh, okay. tonight. 
Okay. Thank you, William. Well, thank I hope that you'll be with you us so again. Much. Okay. No, I, I enjoyed it. Thank you so much. You're such a blessing. God bless you, and thank you to be continued. And uh, I want to thank everyone for being here with me and with us. Thank you again, William, for joining the program tonight. And uh, friend and truth seeker, if you haven't done so yet, according to Jeremiah 33.3, I urge you to call out to God. He promises to show you great and mighty secrets that you do not know. Until next time, friend and truth seeker, God bless you.